You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Meadowbrook Church, let me say a few things. Meadowbrook Church is a multicultural, multi-generational church. And we love it that way. And I call it slice of the city. And if you look into the book of Revelation, you see that heaven is made up of every tribe and every kindred and nation and people. And it's a beautiful thing because of the, the, the diversity and, and extreme uh, of God's creation. And I believe that if we want more and more heaven on earth, we need to have more and more of what is in heaven on earth. And a taste of heaven on earth is that we are, God has blessed us that we are multicultural and we are multigenerational. You just need to look up and down your row and see that not everybody looks like you. And that'll make some of you jealous and others will go, thank God. But, uh, <laughs> but I celebrate, I celebrate the work of God in, in Meadowbrook Church. And I want to share with you a few things this morning. And in particular, as I mentioned, we're multi-generational. I want to give a charge and a challenge to all generations that are represented here this morning at Meadowbrook. In Psalm 89, verse 1, it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord on Tuesdays. Just making sure you're here. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord, help me, forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness. Join in with me to all generations. And then in Psalm 100, verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures, help me, to all generations. In the New Living Translation, it says, For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And so I want to talk about generations this morning. I want you to notice that his faithfulness endures and his truth endures, follow me, to all generations, not just mine. And his truth and faithfulness endures to all generations and not just yours. And we've got to start to have a multi-generational view of how the kingdom of God works and how God wants to work within his people. A couple of um, months ago, well, it was actually early March, I, I attended a leadership forum down at Southeastern University. And uh, I've been privileged to go there the last, I think, four years that they've had it. The, the lineup of speakers is just phenomenal. And this year, one of the speakers, and I'm going to quote him here in just a moment, is Pastor Brian Houston. Some of you may be familiar with him and his ministry, Hillsong church in Australia. And they're truly, I think, having impact worldwide. And they're opening up churches in London and Kiev and New York and, and all over the places to take what God has given them. And they're, they're passing that on. And I love just the, and he's like a pirate to me, just the way he talks and his Australian accent and everything. And so that makes me like him all the more, you know, uh, but it's just this swashbuckler kind of let's go win this world for Jesus attitude that I love. It's almost reckless. And I love it. 
And he made this quote, and it's something that had been rolling in my heart, my mind, and I've read on and I've thought about and I've prayed about. But the way he articulated it rung my bell. Do you know what I mean by that? It just kind of rung my bell. And here's the quote. He said, our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. Our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. Could I get you to say it with me? Our loyalty loyalty to the future future must be greater than our loyalty loyalty to the past. Now, in the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, The glory of this latter temple will be greater than that of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. And notice he said that the future glory is to be greater than the present glory. The future glory is to be greater than the past glory. He did not say that the past was not glorious. I want you to note it's total implied there. The past is glorious. Has God done anything? I mean, his... Presence, his power, his impact on planet Earth and on and on human uh, on mankind. It's been glorious. And even what he's doing in our lives today is glorious. And yet the future glory and we're not even talking about heaven yet, which I will talk about later in this series. But even that future glory is to be greater and will be greater than any past or previous Glory And in Psalm 145, verse 4, it says this. One generation shall praise your works to another. Another what? Another generation. And shall declare your mighty works. Our focus must be long term. This, this series, this message is entitled Looking Forward. Everybody say looking forward. And that's the way you live. I want you to notice that your windshield is a lot bigger than your rearview mirror. And what we've got to be doing is looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. And our focus needs to be looking forward and long term. Generations are to be looking forward. And they're looking forward so that they can impact the next generation. The tendency of every generation is to look inward and to look back. Uh, We have class reunions. We have all these things and we look back and that's when it was fun. And that's when it was cool. That's when I was cool. That's when I, 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 I. and we go through this whole thing here. But what we've got to understand is the the tendency of a generation is to look inward and to look back. And instead, we are to be looking forward. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And you and I should be intent upon, I want generations that follow me to be blessed because of me. Just as curse can be visited upon generation and generation. How about let's set some blessing in motion for generation and generation. And not just live for me and not just live for now and not care about any kind of fallout or future consequence or future result to this. We need to be looking forward. We need to have a long-term focus. And the, and the idea that God has for generations is that we're to declare to the next generation how good, how big, how awesome God is. And so God is thinking generationally. I'm looking forward. I'm looking at my five children. 
I'll have my first grandbaby be born in, in June. I'm looking forward to my family. I'm looking forward to what they'll become and what they'll accomplish. And I want to not just watch them and take pictures. I want to help them. And hopefully already I've set some things in motion so that I can help them to be blessed and be a blessing. And not just take up space. Not just live on, on planet earth. And looking for somebody else to help them. I want them to be the ones helping. I don't want them to be takers. I want them to be givers. I want them to have impact. I want people to be glad that they know them. When my dad uh, passed away in, in 1996, I said this at his funeral. I said, everybody who ever met Bob Gilligan, and we, we named our gym after, after my dad, Robert E. Gilligan. I watched it my whole life every time that I was with him. I never saw him in an interaction. Rarely did I see the exception to this, that when he left, somebody wasn't smiling or had at least laughed when my dad was in their, in their presence. And he brought joy and he brought happiness. And sometimes they're laughing because he told an off-color joke. Because he didn't always serve God, okay? But sometimes our gifts and our abilities that God gives us, we've got to get them all in line to go with, with what God wants us to do so that we can impact other people. We need to be looking forward. Politicians are only concerned with the next election. Statesmen are interested in the next generation. And when the next election comes around, you better find statesmen and stateswomen, not just politicians. Let's get some people all over the place from Washington on down that are concerned about our children and our children's children and the great values this nation was built on. Amen. And as a church, our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. For the first time in history, there are five generations alive and in church. There have been times back in way back history where there were generations alive because of the longevity. It was the first time in history that there have been five generations alive and attending church. And we must find generational balance. Let me give you a little bit of information about generations. And I'm speaking to all generations today. Generations are marked by two things. By their mindset or attitudes, and technology. As you consider a generation, you look at what happened during their day and what they developed. And a lot of times it's because of what they went through. And because of what they went through also creates a mindset or an attitude. So every generation is marked by those things, attitudes and technology. Generations run in cycles. They're reactive to one another. Where one will be active, the next one will be adaptive or passive. Where one will be overbearing, the next one will be rebellious. And so we've got a huge responsibility in how we prepare things for generation after generation after generation. Let's locate ourselves this morning. There's something that's been coined in recent years, the great generation. The great generation. Some of you are here today. Those who were born 1948 or before. 1948 or before. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You're part of the great generation. Will you honor these people this morning? Honor them. Then if you were born 1949 to 1965, 1949 to 1965, we are the boomers. Are there any boomers in the place this morning? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. 
If you were born 1966 to 1984, 1966 to 1984, you're the Gen Xers, Generation X. How many of you are in Generation X? All right, all right, good deal. And then Generation Y. I heard the other day that Generation Y, because they're always asking why. That's not fair. That's not fair. Generation Y, if you were born 1985 to the present, Generation Y. Come on, let me see Generation Y. Give it up for them. All right. Now, what I'm going to share with you applies to Generation X, but it also especially applies to Generation Y. You have more information available to you than ever all combined, readily available to you, than ever all combined in the history of the world. You learn differently because of the easy access of information. You're most likely to innovate. You're solution-minded. They have great spiritual interest. They desire challenge. They also require open dialogue. They're technology-centered. And consequently, and this is the downside, they're losing the art of personal face-to-face communication. There's an article in our paper this morning. They even talked about the lost art of letter writing. Why do we need to write a letter? When we get an instant message and Twitter and, and texting and email and everything else. And now to the place where you can ask somebody to marry you by text. What if you sent it to the wrong one? Oh. Not a problem because you can also break back up by way of text. Yeah. Now, generation to generation, generation to generation, his truth endures, his faithfulness endures, and we're all in this thing together. I said, we're all in this thing together. Turn to somebody real quick and say, we're in this thing together. All right. Generation after generation. Now, when you think of generation to generation, we move through, it includes and involves passing through time. Also, when we talk about generations and having a generational balance, which is something that we're after here, you combine youthful energy and innovation and creativity with seasoned and hard-earned wisdom and patience. And when you can get that all together, because sometimes a generation has learned a lot, but they no longer have the energy to do what they learned. Then you've got others that suddenly are discovering things and got energy galore, but they don't have the wisdom, the restraint, the patience to put that together. And so if we could ever get that all together where we embrace one another and enrich one another's lives and have generational balance, the impact of that is going to be absolutely remarkable. Now, it includes passing through time. It also includes, I hate to even bring it up, aging aging. So the first thing I want to mention to you this morning is we need to individually and as a church, we need to resist aging. I'm serious. Everybody say resist aging, resist aging. Say it again. Resist it. Now we all like to look and feel younger. Oh, don't act like you don't. You, when you look good, you know you look good. And you're like, whoa. Hey, 
Some of y'all don't just use the mirror right here. You're also doing... If you were honest, you would. And we notice aging on ourselves. And it's important to us how we look. It really is. I mean, if you post a picture of yourself somewhere, you want a good one. And when you're getting your picture taken, no, not that side, this side. And can you dim the lights? Yeah, because you're concerned about aging. It's a, also, we want to feel younger. And that's not just a health and medicinal thing. It's things that we do about ourselves and for ourselves that helps us all to, to look and feel younger. Last year, it was a $30 billion industry in the United States to help us look and feel younger. Everything from, and I made these up, everything from moisturizers to Metamucil. <laughs> ben Gay to Botox. And we're living longer. Get this, in 1840, the average life expectancy was 40 years. In 1920, it had gone up to 52 years. In the year 2000, it had just crossed over 77 years. And here, 10 years later, it's right at 80 years. And there are more people than ever before living into their 90s and even into the 100s. We're living longer. People say you're only as young as you feel or only as young as you act. I say we're only as young as you think. And you need to think young. Now, represent yourself properly. You don't have to, you know, there's some things my kids may want me to wear. I'm sorry, I'm not wearing that. But we need to think younger. We need to be intentional, intentional about staying young. And not just you individually, this church. The church must be very intentional, intentional about staying young. And listen, I, as I'm saying these things about being young and resisting, resisting aging, please hear me. I have nothing against senior citizens. As a matter of fact, it's one of my personal goals to one day become a senior citizen. Okay? All right. As we resist aging, often our first concern, you ready for this? Is not your health and not your mobility. It's your face. It's your face. This is your billboard. This is what you tell everybody how you are, how you think, or how you want them to think you are. And this is an important thing. And people spend so much money on this. And you've noticed it. You look in the mirror. I remember when I first started to see whiskers come through, you know, like ninth grade, 10th grade. I was like, yes. <laughs> now they're all white. <laughs> you notice the changes. When we were kids, we always had to have crew cuts. Finally, because Glenn Campbell had long hair, we talked my stepdad into letting us have bangs. <laughs> and then one day I looked in the mirror and my bangs had fallen off. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. 
As a church, as a church, we should be interested in our face. In our face. We are. Our face is multicultural and multigenerational. Our face is multicultural and multigenerational. That's who we are. And that's what our face needs to show. What do I mean by the face? I'm talking about our parkers and our greeters and our ushers and our worship team and our teachers and our helpers and our staff and all across the board. Who we are needs to show up on our face. And I'll tell you why. It's because when any person walks into any place, hear me on this, you're looking for yourself. You will feel comfortable and you will feel safe if you can find somebody like yourself. And yourself is here. We have multicultural and multigenerational, but we must do a better job of on our face showing that we are multicultural and we are multigenerational. So what does that mean? As I mentioned earlier, the great generation, the great generation was raised. It was just built into them that you work and you give and you serve and you go and you sacrifice and you do whatever it takes. And because the great generation, and let me just say this, because of a great generation, not entirely them, but I'm telling you, every service that we do and the buildings we've been able to build has been because there's a great generation that knew to give, to sacrifice, to work, to do what it takes to get things done. And I would like to personally thank the great generation. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As I said, every generation then is reactive. And because the generation, the great generation is so great... They did everything. So the next generations then feel like, I don't have to do it. They're doing it. And what I'm doing today is I am calling all generations. I am challenging all generations to become a great generation. And to give and to serve and to love and to go and to sacrifice and to do what it takes to get things done. All generations. And Generation X and Generation Y, I'm especially calling you because we've got to be focused on our future. We've got to think long term. I've got to have you step up. I've got to have you step forward. I've got to have you greeting and parking and singing and playing and teaching and working. I've got to have you. We've got to have you. The kingdom has got to have you. You've got to be a part of the face so that when people come, They'll see themselves and we're helping to capture the next generation and the next generation and the next generation for the kingdom of God. Could I get a good amen on that? (laughs) Author Kurt Anderson in his book, Reset, speaking of the Y generation, he says, if they can keep their sense of entitlement in check, they might just turn out to be the next great generation. And I believe that you will be the next great generation. And all of us, all of us are to be great for the kingdom of God. Do you understand this? All of us are to be great for the kingdom of God. And the way to be great in the kingdom, Jesus said, is to serve and to give and to love and to do what it takes to get things done. The tendency of all generations, as I said, 
is to look inward and to look back. Self-interest and self-preservation. Marketers cater to that trend. For example, I'll be walking through the living room. My wife has the remote. She flips channels and there's a 70s music infomercial. I stop right there, baby. And we'll listen. I'll say, are you TiVoing this? Because it's the music from when I was in high school. And it's the best music on the planet. Okay? All right. For me, I'm making a point. I'm making a point for each generation. And the Bee Gees? (laughs) Chicago? Earth, Wind, and Fire? And I'm going to tell you something. I honestly believe that Olivia Newton-John honestly loves me. <laughs> and she always has. What am I talking about? To me, that's the best. If we're, if we're out on a Jeep ride and we're listening to oldies, that's what I want to listen to. And guess what? Each generation has their own. Each generation has what they love, and it's because their own. It's the tendency of all generations. But we've got to be intentional about staying fresh and staying young and staying open and resisting just getting stuck and being open to things as they go. We try to, even with our music in every service, to be multi-generational so that we can connect everywhere. There'll be something that starts out with a... And then the next thing we know is praise the name. You know, and, we're, and we tie it all together. And we try to be very mindful not to go into any extremes because all extremes lead to error. And we have a multicultural, multi-generational church. And we try our best to connect with that. And so what all of us have to do is give a little space for another generation. I don't plug my ears if I hear something out of the 50s or out of the 90s, even though the 70s are the best. <laughs> Do you get my point on this? Do you get my point? All right, now let me rapidly move on here. There's something, if we're not intentional about staying young, that is called generational loss or erosion. In the analog day, before digital, if you used a Xerox machine... And you made a copy of a copy. It's a next generation copy. It has less quality. It has less uh, clarity than the previous. And then you make a copy of that copy and a copy of that copy and a copy of that copy. And you've lost clarity. You've lost quality. And you lose generation. It's generational loss or erosion. It happens with music too. I used to take record albums. Four of you remember those. Thank you. And I would play the record and I would take headphones, plug them into my stereo. And then I would take my cassette player, which is about that big and took about 12 batteries, you know. And I ran the microphone and put it in between the headphones so that I could copy what was on my records onto a cassette so I could play it in my bad Volkswagen. No, mine was bad, as in bad. And guess what? It lost quality and it lost clarity. And if we're not intentional about not just do the same thing, do the same thing, do the same thing, do the same. We've always done it this way. Same thing, same, 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 same. You know what we'll lose? We'll lose quality. We'll lose clarity. We'll lose generations. And I'm not up for it. 
when God has called us to declare from generation to generation his goodness, his truth, and his faithfulness. So let me real quick share a couple things with you. As we resist aging, we must also stay relevant. Everybody say relevant. We must stay relevant. That means this, using what is cultural to say what is timeless. Using what is cultural to say what is timeless. Jesus did it. He used parables. I love to use parables. What I'm telling you about squirrels this morning, I'm, I'm piggybacking on Jesus' parable. I, we're bringing this all together. He used parables to take something that was timeless and to put it in a relevant form, what was cultural and what was right in front of them so they could relate to it. Our Good Friday webcast was us taking something that is timeless and using something cultural to be able to say it to people. I read the other day that the Bible is now the number two app on smartphones. I think that's awesome that the Bible is the number two app for smartphones all over the world. That's an awesome thing. Stay relevant. Next, don't be, don't be selfish. Don't get quiet on me now. Don't be selfish. And by selfish, I mean this. Truth endures to my generation. If you get selfish, you get stuck. 70s is the only good music. It's a lie. It's wrong. That's uninformed to even say that. And it's selfish. And when you get selfish, you get stuck. And we've got to be careful that I only want them to play my songs. I only like this kind of songs. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Realize there are other generations here. Pastor Tommy Barnett was attending a Hillsong conference with Pastor Brian Houston. And he said they were pretty much rocking out. And we're not, we're not headed toward rocking out. So don't anybody get nervous. We're doing what we're doing and we're continuing to tweak and lean and lean forward. But they were rocking out. And Tommy Barnett said he was next to a lady. He said had to be in her 80s. And the whole time they were playing, she was just going nuts. So when they said, turn around and greet your neighbor, he said, wow, you must really like that music. And she goes, actually, I hate it. She said, but will you look around and see what it's doing for all of these people? You also need to embrace and leverage technology. What technology is, and listen to me, every every generation has had technology. The advent of the telephone. Then cars. Here's one of the greatest inventions of all time. You ready for this? Carbon paper. Followed by another great invention. Wide out. And then innovation comes and technology comes. And what we've got to do when we embrace and leverage technology, it just means this. We're finding the best way to communicate and finding the best way to do things. When Jesus said, go preach this gospel to the whole world, they had their sandals. And maybe a little pouch in a basket. All right, here we go. That's a big job. But as time has gone on, God has given us technology. Go ahead and say it. Say technology. Jesus had the idea. You know what he would do? Sometimes he pushed out and taught from a boat. Other times he led people up on the side of a hill. Do you know why he was doing that? Because he wanted them to hear better. 
And so there's, he just did things. Why? So they could be done better and so they can com- communicate better. Embrace and leverage technology. The barcode on your can of green beans or your loaf of bread, you ready for this, is not the mark of the beast. <laughs> Trust me, it's not. It's brilliant technology. The ATM machine is not tracking your whole life. Now there's a camera right there. It's not doing that. Listen, I got a letter a while back. God bless her heart. I, mostly I get really good news and good reports of what God's doing in people's lives. Every now and then I get something called a nasty note. They're wonderful. And I got one a few months back. I don't remember how long it was because I've forgiven and let it go and tore it up and burned it and ate it and spit it back out and <laughs> stomped on it and And, uh, but a lady wrote a letter and she, in kind of strong terms. And you see these little lights moving around over here and that kind of stuff. She had a absolute huge problem with why do we have colored lights and why do we have lights on the wall? Furthermore, pastor, you're on television. And do you not know that there are many evil anti-family things that are also on television? And I wanted to write her back, but I just chose not to. To tell her that actually the church she needed to be going to had shut down in 1910. (laughs) And so I would pray that she'd find another one. But we've got to embrace technology. Listen to me. The Internet right now is reaching every place on earth that is available. We enhance with technology everything we're doing more than you even know how much technology is involved in things. Every day, daily, we communicate and we encourage people anywhere that they are. I get emails and letters and talk to people, long distance truck drivers, missionaries, servicemen and women, and people that are homebound that because of Twitter, because of Facebook, because of podcasts, because of our archives, they're able to hear a message that is generated from here. They're able to hear it wherever they are in the world, whatever they're doing. And so... I don't see what having a little bit of lights and some camera and everything else. This is to enhance what we're doing. We need to embrace and leverage technology and do everything we can to do the very best that we can and get this message out the best way that we can. So we are going to embrace and leverage technology. Can I get just one amen out of that? Lastly, we're all called to be fruitful. Every generation We are called to be fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. Let me read to you real quick. Psalm 92, verse 13 and 14. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Anybody planted? The rest of you, I'm assuming, are tumbleweeds. Anybody planted? Planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Watch this. They shall still bear fruit, which indicates they were bearing fruit, but they shall continue. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. In the New New Living Translation, it says, even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. It's all generations. We never retire from the kingdom. 
You're never too young for the kingdom. All of us, multicultural, multi-generational, we've got a great work to do. Our life is not just about trying to get our bills paid and have a little bit of fun now and then. Our life is to be significant and it's to mark other generations and it's to expand the kingdom of God. And I'm calling Meadowbrook Church today a multicultural, multi-generational church. We are going to do this thing and we are looking forward and we're going to impact generations. Now, I want you to energize and enrich each other. I want you to extend for each other. Make allowances for each generation and embrace generations. In Matthew 13, 52, and then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and things old. The Amplified Bible says the fresh and the familiar. We need to energize one another. There's youthful energy and innovation. And there's hard work for life lessons paid to get some wisdom and get some patience. And we need each other. And we need to make allowances for one another. And we need to embrace one another and encourage one another. And we'll be energized by one another. I read a story recently. Uh, an adult lady is writing this. And her grandfather is still alive. And she has children, which would be his great-grandchildren. And she says, as I write this, my tears, my eyes are filled with tears. Because you see, my grandfather, and she gave his name, pretty much his life consists of scooting out to his chair, scooting over to the dining room, heading back to bed, watching TV all day, nodding off even during the shows that he loves. And pretty much that's what his life consists of. She said, but as I'm looking out the kitchen window right now into the backyard, I see my grandfather, the great-grandfather of my children, engaged in an all-out sword fight with some little pirates in the backyard. And see, what happens is he got energized. He got energized by another generation. And him doing that, his impact on them, I'm sure is long-lasting. When I was in 10th grade, and this is probably the last time that I saw her, my great-grandmother. And not a lot of people named their children like they named them back then. Her name was Fanny. <laughs> Fanny Mae Compton. She was in her early 90s. And I'm in 10th grade, and I'm much more interested in girls my age than girls her age at that point, okay? <laughs> but I went over, and I spent a couple evenings with her, and she taught me how to play canasta. It's a card game. Her voice was kind of like Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, well, you know, and so I said, sure, I'd love to play canasta, but you're going to have to teach me. She goes, well, first you shuffle. And she whipped out the cards and it was a. I was expecting her to put on a visor and get a cigar all of a sudden, you know. Money on the table, kid. And I watched her. I remember this. I was in 10th grade. This is like 35 years ago. I, I'm, watch, I'm watching her. I'm looking at her. She's 90-something years old. She smelt like Noxzema. <laughs> and I'm watching her, and it was just... I, I still remember it as rich and warm. And then she said, well, what do you want to do now after she beat me? <laughs> well, my grandpa had a boat sitting out 
outside and in it he had a cb radio and my brother's out there hey good buddy it's technology so he's talking to some friends and some truckers or whatever on there and so my brother and i looked at each other and we go let's have grandma talk on the cb <laughs> so she's oh, okay and so she came over she said what do i do i say you just push the button you just talk grandma and here's what she said hello i made bread today <laughs> And it's so precious to me that she was willing to venture into our world. I was willing to venture into her world. I was energized and she marked me forever. And before you leave here today, maybe in the parking lot or whatever, I want you to at least interact with somebody from a generation beyond you or before you. And maybe you could say something, maybe to the twinkle of your eye, or maybe be bold enough to actually say it and say, you know what? We're in this thing together. We're all the family of God, and we're in this thing together, and we're going to impact generations to come. We need each other. We need each other. I'm so grateful for the great generation. And don't you dare stop what you're doing. But I'm calling all generations in this place to step up. Let's all become great generations. As we declare and impact generations to come with the fact that God's faithfulness and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of it?